Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host of the Unlimited FL podcast, uh, Jackson Young. I'm here with my co-host tonight, Owen. Owen, how is uh, week eight for you? Seven? Week seven. seven. Week seven. Uh, yeah, not not quite. I was. It was pretty good. I actually, pretty good in terms of like entertainment. It's the early window. There was a lot of close, entertaining games. In terms of like my favorite team, they lost the Broncos, so that that's not great. Um, uh, I'm losing more and more faith in Jordan Love every day, every every game, I should say. Um, but outside of that, uh, it was a good week of football. Um, much better offensive play than we saw in Week Six. We mentioned that in the previous episode. So overall, pretty good week. And tonight we have a guest with us. Uh, he's been on the show before, but he was great, uh, good enough to come on with us. Uh, Asim, how you doing tonight? Good. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Um, so for our first headline of the week, um, it's going to be uh, the Ravens just absolutely curb stomping the Lions on Sunday, uh, thirty-eight to six. Um. To me, that was the most surprising score of the week, um, just because I thought that would be a close game. Uh, Owen and I both picked the Ravens, I believe. We did, yes. And so we were right on that, but I don't think we no. either of us saw that blowout coming. I think we both picked it to be a one-score game, if I remember yeah. correctly. I think we both picked a one-score game. And it was a, a one-score game when the Ravens went up 7 nothing. but that that's about as close as we got. Yeah. Um, Asim, you're the guest. I'll let you go first. What were your thoughts on this game? And what does this tell you about the Ravens? And what does it tell you about the Lions? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, going into this game, I mean, obviously both teams at the time having fairly similar records. Um, so, you know, you were hoping that this would, you know, come out to be like a fairly good game. Obviously one-sided with a decent score put up by the Ravens. Uh, but the thing that really stood out to me is like, you know, Lamar Jackson just balling out. I mean, the guy put up 357 yards passing and I just truly believe that you know with all the offseason talk you know that he was having when it came to just like contract negotiation and you know whether or not he was going to stay or not I think the Ravens are really glad that they were able to keep him um, and keep him happy at the same time because I mean obviously this is a dominant performance especially against you know a Detroit team who's not bad at all yeah uh, I, I agree with you and that, that's interesting uh, side of that that I had thought about and Lamar just absolutely showed out and just he had production on the ground production in the air he, he was making his receivers look really good making great reads making uh, great runs and he really carved that Lions defense up that was I think they were top five in the league in run defense I believe uh, but he made their defense look bad and I don't think the Lions defense is that bad. So I think that's just more of a credit to the Ravens offense, just being a well-oiled machine. And that's what their rushing offense can look like when it's at its peak. And it's arguably one of the more difficult offenses to stop uh, in football with, with the weapons they have and the different uh, schemes that they can, they can run up. Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, look, this was the you can't play any better than the Ravens did in this game. Uh, you can't can't play a bit any better than Lamar Jackson did in this game. I believe at one point he was like fourteen of fifteen for like three hundred yards in the first half. That one touchdown he threw uh, to Nelson Aguilar, I believe, it was the second touchdown they scored, where he avoided a sack, spun around, just threw a dime in the back of the end zone. Just pretty much encapsulates his day. Um, as for the Lions, I still think the Lions are a good team. But I do think people kind of jumped the gun a little bit on them 
Um, I think they're obviously better than what they showed this game. But when you look at their wins, like they beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead, but the Chiefs were without Travis Kelsey and they were without Chris Jones and the receivers dropped a million passes. They beat the Falcons, they beat the Packers, they beat the Panthers and they beat the Buccaneers. Like none of those are like particularly great teams. Um, and they play a, a team that I think is a contender and they lose by, they lose 38 to six. So um just a disappointing performance from the Lions, but I wouldn't panic just yet. However, if they lose to the Raiders on Monday night, then I'd, I'd press the panic button a little bit. Uh, as for the Ravens, look, I, I think you can make a case that they're the second best team in the AFC behind the Chiefs. Um, mm-hmm. Just dominant performance. And I, uh, I think I massively underrated Lamar Jackson in my preseason quarterback rankings. Uh, I think I, we all did. I don't think I put him in my top five, which looks pretty silly, but he he's uh, he balled out, and he's he's been great most of the season. So kudos to him. After the last last couple of weeks, not bad performances by Tua, but like not great. I feel like I put Lamar instead of Tua right now for MVP. For no, for top five quarterback. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Lamar is definitely better than Tua at this um, point. Yeah, and not not to disrespect Tua, um, and kind of like speaking of Tua. Kind of another game that's kind of similar. The Dolphins, I feel like, are a similar team to the Lions. Highly anticipated game against the Eagles on Sunday Night Football. And they really, like, they, they scored 10 points offensively. Um, I think, Sim, do you think there's anything to be said about the Dolphins? Like, they're 5-2. and two, They lead the AFC East. But they've played two good teams this year, Buffalo and Philadelphia. And they've lost both those games. Their offense has struggled in both those games. So do you think there's something to be said about that? Or do you think that I, that's just kind of like an overreaction a little bit? Yeah, I mean, that that is a really interesting case because I think in general, when you look at the Dolphins, um, especially at the beginning of the season, those first few games, just I mean, putting up ridiculous scores, obviously, you know, the Broncos game stands out significantly. But even against, you know, um, a couple other teams, you know, the Giants, they put up 31, which is obviously good. Um, and I guess the Panthers, which I mean, obviously we touched on not really a great team, put up 42. It is really interesting to see them struggle a little bit when it does get to situations you know, where they are playing a little bit of better defenses and seeing how Tua is able to kind of adapt to that. Um, you know, I'm really unsure about this team because it really seems like they have the potential to do a lot. Uh, but then also they have a lot of shortcomings in which, you know, I don't know if that they'll be able to get past those um, and eventually make a really solid run. And so, like, the Dolphins are a really interesting case. I feel like they're really like a dark, ho- door, uh, dark horse contender, you know? Yes, I definitely feel worse about the Dolphins than I did a week ago. Um, and it's not that they lost because they were without J- – Jalen Ramsey hasn't played yet. They were also missing Xavier Howard. Um, they could not run the football at all in this game. Philadelphia's run defense just ate them alive. Um but I, it's it's because their offense just struggled so much. Uh, they moved the ball decently, but they just couldn't get in the end zone. Um, so I think that's – now they play New England at home next week, so obviously, like, you're not going to see a whole lot there because the Patriots, despite winning, I still think are a bad football team. So they'll probably blow them out, but, like, I'd like to see the, the, the Dolphins. It's kind of similar to the Lions. I feel like they're the conference version of each other, play better against better competition in the second half of the season. Yeah, and – one more note on that. Um, today, Tua was talking about uh, Tyreek Hill and how he's injured and they don't know his status. And he seemed pretty uh, negative in terms of his chances to play this week. So it's going to be a lot on Jalen Waddle's shoulders, who is, of course, banged up as well. 
But I feel like they have enough weapons. Yeah, Waddle, he was like walking up and down the sideline with his helmet off in yeah. that game. Like he was in and out, in and out of the game. He obviously was not right. Yeah. I, I as, as for a fan of the NFL, like I don't think they need Tyreek to beat the Patriots, no. but uh, they should hope to get him back sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right, so next game that we're going to recap here is probably the, the game of the weekend. Uh, uh, Browns-Colts. Um, you would not expect that to be a, a game as high-scoring as it was, especially for as, how, as good as the Browns' defense has been so far this season. Um, but this was a shootout. Um, the reason I think this game kind of like has a sour note to it considering how it ended with the controversial officiating, uh, the Browns, you know, Deshaun Watson got hurt very early in the game. P.J. Walker played most of the game. Um, driving down the field, P.J. Walker gets hit as he's throwing the ball. It looked like a fumble, but it was ruled to be complete pass, so they got another chance. And then he threw a pass towards the end zone that I think was very much uncatchable, but the officials called the Colts defender. For, I, forget, I forget who it was. Um, uh, uh. I forget his name. He's not a good corner. Yeah, he, he's he's kind of a guy. Yeah. I, I, um, 30, he's number 39. Yeah. 39 in the Colts. They called him for a pass interference. The Browns got the ball at the goal line. Kareem Hunt ran in for a go-ahead touchdown, and they won the game. Um, but Sim, I'd like to hear your thoughts on the game. Like, the Browns are now 4-2, and two, and we'll talk about how we feel about them in a later segment. The Colts, I, don't, I mean, I, I don't think the Colts are really contending for anything important this year. Like, what are your thoughts on the state of officiating in the NFL? Because if I was a Colts fan, I would be absolutely livid and how this game played out. Yeah, you know, it's always interesting whenever, you know, officiating is, you know, brought up, you know, because at the end of the day, um, it's really difficult for officials to call close games. You know, all reasons aside, you know, it is a very difficult job to do. With that being said, obviously, if you are a fan, if you are a team and you have really strong goals in order to do something special, you know, you want to you wanna make sure that the officials are doing their part just as much as you're doing yours. Um, and I think that especially in these tight games, these are where we get the most arguments about, you know, officiating and stuff. Um, the one thing I will say about is I think that officiating obviously needs to be better. You know, obviously you want to always strive to continue to do better. However, I will say that in tight games, you're always going to subject yourself to the possibility of a call coming down to the officials. And, you know, whether we like it or not, you know, it is just the reality of the game. Um, And I think that teams, you know, always, you know, take that into account. If you are in a one score game, you know, you're putting yourself in a position where it might not come down to you. Um, And, you know, that is what separates those great teams from the teams that are, you know, just barely average. You know, either way, I don't think that this ruins either one of, you know, either uh, the Colts' season for losing. Um, And even if the Browns were to have lost, I don't think that it really ruins their season as well. Um, but again, officiating is one of those really touchy things where, again, you never want to subject yourself to the possibility where it might play a factor in your game. But understanding that if you are in a tight game, that that is the reality of the situation, you know, how you handle that is, you know, well, again, what separates those great teams from the average. Yeah. I honestly, could not have said, by the way, EJ Baker was the player who was flagged for peace pass interference. Um, um, so look that up there on the fly. Uh, I agree. I I don't know if I could have said it any better because um, the Colts, I mean, I think the Colts are, uh, I think, just the most like dead on average team in the NFL. Yeah, you know, obviously it's disappointing. and I do think they got hosed at the end of that game. But why you're at home? Like, why are you like in a shootout with P.J. Walker? You know what I mean? Like, 
don't right. put yourself in that position. That's why, because like there's there was there was 58 minutes of the game leading up to that point. Like if you, no one, no team loses solely because of officiating. There's always factors that happen leading up to that point. So yes, I agree. The Colts probably should have won the game. I think the officials, you know, the officials did not help them out in this game. And if I was a Colts fan, I would be very upset with this. But they also put themselves in the position to put the game in the hands of the officials. So the officiating was bad, but I do think, I mean, I'm not saying like the, it's not like the Colts had this flawless performance. Like they had turnovers in the first half, their defense let the Browns offense march up and down the field. So they allowed themselves to be put in that position with that being said, those were two very horrendous calls and the Colts have every right to be um, upset about how that game played out. Yeah. And I think the worst of the calls was the pass interference for because, sure because of where the pass was because of where the players were. And I think even the, uh, the booth official came on the broadcast and, and said that, Oh, well, officials don't usually uh, call uncatchable. Uh, they don't usually count that in terms of pass interference because usually passes aren't that far offline. Um, but in this case, it was it was just way way out of bounds, and I feel like that should have been picked up. It was an awful, you know, it was yeah. an awful call. Like there's, there's, you know, I think the other thing to potentially consider as well is I think this brings up a conversation of like in the NFL, what should the rules be around potentially the reviewing of calls, right? Because there are certain penalties and you know certain violations in which you can go back on film and examine if it did occur, right? But then, you know, some other times, you know, if the call occurred on the field, you can't go back and change that. And so maybe this brings up a wider conversation of how we handle those situations, because oftentimes replay can show, you know, it was clearly a penalty or clearly wasn't, and a flag should have been thrown or a flag shouldn't have. But, you know, we can't do anything because the rule states that the call on the field stands. And so, you know, maybe how it is with a replay where you're reviewing if a knee was down, if they crossed the end zone, maybe something like that should play a factor into officiating. You know, that's a conversation that we could potentially have, you know. Yeah, I agree with you. I just feel like with a call like pass interference, you know, how subjective it is, how judgmental it is. I feel like there's going to be way too many reviews, like way too – because – Pass interference is probably what the most common penalty, like definitely up there. Pass interference or holding, probably, yeah. Yeah. yeah so I feel like maybe if you, uh, we're going off on a tangent a little bit, but it's fine. Um, maybe if you, like, oh, you can only do it within the last two minutes or something. Yeah. You can only review it within the last two minutes. Maybe that's something, you know, because it can cost teams and then the final minutes and it costs them games. And maybe that's a way that you do it to make it make the game keep moving moving by a little bit better so that you can't call it whatever you want. But I don't know. I, I feel like it was a rough week in the NFL for officiating for sure. Maybe the roughest week of the year. Um, and I, I, I do like your points that it doesn't come down to one play. You know, there's 50, 60 minutes of a football game. The officials shouldn't be blamed entirely for a team losing that now the officials can be criticized, but you can't put it all in the officials. You cannot say the officials won the Browns that game. That's just, that's not fair. Yeah. So, and at the end of the day, we always forget, you know, last thing about this point, we always forget that nine times out of 10, the officials are calling about 90, 95% of the game pretty accurately. And, you know, for a professional league, high, high hitting, you know, a a 22 players on the field at a time, you know, you got to give them some credit. And so unfortunately they get all the blame when, 
you know, things don't go there when things don't go a team's way, but obviously never get any praise if they call a game greatly. And so at the end of the day, it's the nature of the game. Um, and it is, you know, truly unfortunate, but yeah. Yep. Well, moving on to another matchup in the AFC, in the AFC East, Jack's Patriots, uh, previously one in five, taking on the Bills, who many thought were Super Bowl contenders. And that game did not play out the way many people expected. The Patriots really controlled most of the game. The Bills took a lead late. The Bills, Josh Allen threw a touchdown, I believe, to Diggs. It was Diggs. Yeah. yeah it was Stephon Diggs Great taking play. the lead. Um, and then the Bills defense promptly allowed Mac Jones to march right down the field, throw the game-winning touchdown to tight end Mike Gesicki, and the Patriots got their second win of the season. Meanwhile, the Bills fall to four and three. So, I mean, this is – I think this is very easily more about the Bills than it is about the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots, nice win. I still think they're, I still think they're one of the five worst teams in the league. Sorry, Jack. Um <laughs> But for the Bills, like, when you look at them, so they had that that awful loss to the Jets in week one. Okay, it's week one. Fine. Whatever. And then they, they, they win their next three. They blow out the Dolphins in week four. And everyone's like, the Bills are, like, the best team in the AFC. And then they lose to Jacksonville in London. And then their last two games, they barely squeaked by the Giants at home uh, on Sunday Night Football couple weeks ago and now they lose the Patriots so that's like two of the five worst teams in football you lose to and you are you can make a good argument you should have lost both those games um so like for the Bills like I'm out on them as contenders until further notice I still think they're a playoff team I still think they're a good team they play tomorrow they play the Bucks tomorrow on Thursday night football um but that that that's that's a pretty embarrassing loss in my opinion and uh, they got to get their act together. I wouldn't say I'm out on the Bills as contenders quite yet. I feel like behind the Dolphins, behind the the Chiefs, behind uh, the Ravens, behind uh, Jacksonville, Jacksonville, probably at this point, that's probably right about about right. I feel like they can compete with Jacksonville. I feel like they can compete with the Dolphins still. I mean, they blew out the Dolphins. true, yeah. So I feel like they're still like on the edge, on the cusp of being an elite team and – they they still have an elite an elite offense. I just feel like I just feel like Josh Allen puts the ball in harm's way too much. I feel like yes, he's a stud. Yes, he makes amazing plays. I just feel like at times he can really put the ball in harm's way and and it it can affect them and, and give teams short fields to drive. Now this game was much more about the Patriots, you know, putting up a good offensive outing rather than the Bills just giving up turnovers. Because um, I think Josh Allen only had one turnover. Yeah, the interception on the first play of the game. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm so much more, I'm a lot, pretty confident in the bills going forward and they have playmakers. I do think in the off season, they need to help out Diggs and get a receiver. They need to draft another receiver because Gabe Davis can cut it for a wide receiver too. He's just not good enough. He, He, his route tree is not expansive enough to target him enough. He runs a very, very, uh, Specific route tree. He runs a lot of go routes, runs a lot of fade routes, corner routes, and Diggs runs any kind of route. So you need to help him in the offseason by drafting a stud wide receiver. Because this this wide receiver class is pretty deep. Um, and a sim, I know you know a lot about that, but um, it, sh- it should be pretty deep. So they should be able to draft somebody. But anyways, 
Um, as for the Patriots, um, I'm in pretty much agreement with Owen here on this one. I don't really think this affects their season much. It's a great win. Uh, maybe they could start building some momentum from here, and uh, they're not going to beat the Dolphins. But after that, maybe I think they get a few good matchups, but maybe they could get some wins here and there and and get close to competing for a wild card spot. But that's that's a if that's a major if because of uh, various reasons. I do think the Patriots will be in most mostly every game because of their defense is solid. It's not great. It's solid. Um, but I think the issue with the Patriots is their quarterback play. Um, they can't run the ball at all. So that's where I'm at with the Patriots. Do you have any thoughts on this game, Sim? Yeah. So, I mean, in general, the biggest question, you know, I have um, is will the uh, the Bills continue to play, you know, pretty subpar for, you know, obviously their standards. You know, we're, we're talking about, again, a four and three Bills team. Um, with much higher standards than a two and five New England, right? Um, and so that's the biggest question that we have. And again, I, to your point, Jack, earlier with Josh Allen just putting the ball in harm's way, I think that that's something that I've consistently noticed as well. Um, and, you know, probably something that the franchise wants him to play aggressive. You know, that's probably part of it. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you've got to be able to protect the ball. And again, like you said, New England did play fairly well on offense there. Um, you know, whether that was just completely a one-time thing or whether, you know, Buffalo just essentially just didn't play good enough on defense. You know, that's, that's a question that we can answer, but you know, I think moving forward, I'm not going to count them out entirely. The NFL season is fairly long. Um, and I just don't necessarily think that, you know, the Buffalo bills are going to really struggle the entire season, but you know, again, I could be wrong and, you know, we'll see what happens, but again, we'll just see if they continue to perform the way they do. I think Josh Allen, you know, will learn from his previous weeks. Um, and hopefully continue to protect the ball a little bit better. But at the end of the day, again, you know, one interception on that initial play, those many other reasons, you know, this game did not turn out the way that, you know, Buffalo probably wanted. Yeah, one more thought on this game. So, like, I, I'm i not out on them permanently. I'm out for them on the time – out of them on the time – for the time being. Jeez, excuse me. Um, as for Allen in the turnovers, he's, he's thrown seven interceptions this year, which is tied for second in the league. He threw 14 last year, I think. Um like Allen, I don't think is the biggest issue with that team. I think they're they're defensively they can be pretty vulnerable at times, especially without Matt Milano and Tredavious White and Daquan Jones. Like they have a bunch of they're very banged up defensively. Um, but Allen, like that inter- that first interception, that's a throw that can't happen. Like it's the first play of the game. Why are you just chucking it down the field? And he had a bunch of those against the Jets too. Like. Just like YOLO balls down the field. Like I, I think Allen's great. I think he's a top three quarterback in the NFL. But like it you can throw interceptions. Like I don't care about the number of interceptions, it's how you throw them. Just mm-hmm. chucking YOLO balls down. Like I get it if it's like third and third and long and you, you do an arm punt, that's fine. I don't have a huge issue with that. But it's it's like just running around in the pocket and just blindly throwing passes down the field on like first like this play was first down it was first down and you're running around and throwing it down the field like that stuff that's just the stuff that can't happen um so like that's his biggest flaw as a player but i don't know man i just think i just think the bills they have a lot of work to do if they want to be anywhere close to a legitimate super bowl contender I agree. I agree. Moving to a, another and a potential NFC contender, the 49ers traveled to Minnesota to play the Vikings on Monday Night Football, and they were met with a rude awakening, uh, suffering a 22-17 loss uh, at the hands of Kirk Cousins and uh, Jordan Addison. Um, 
I'll start with you, Asim. Uh, what were your thoughts on this game? Did it surprise you? Sure, it did. Did it surprise you? Uh, are you worried about the 49ers? Um, just give me your overall thoughts uh, about this game. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, in general, like just looking at this game, the biggest thing that surprised me was not necessarily the score. Um, I mean, knowing that the 49ers defense is supposed to be obviously extremely solid. I mean, they did only allow 22 points. However, you know, Kirk was able to put up a significant amount of yards on them. And so that what raises questions for me is, you know, is their passing defense as good as say their run defense? You know, I think uh, uh, in general, moving forward, especially with just games being significantly high scoring, the way we play defense in the NFL might continue to evolve and change. And so I think that, again, I'm not 100% concerned about, say, the 49ers offense by any means. Obviously, there's a turnover issues with, you know, Brock Purdy, that game particularly. Uh, but again, the defense is really the biggest thing in his question because, again, that's the backbone of the 49ers, right? And so that's my biggest question. I'm not 100% surprised what Minnesota was able to do. Uh, but again, I don't think that, you know, the 49ers can sustain playing that level of defense and move forward. I am very surprised at the outcome of this game. I did not think that the, the Vikings would pull it off, and I did not think the Vikings would torch the 49ers as much as they did. Um, Without Justin Jefferson, I might. I might yeah, yeah I, I mean, Bill Madison's a great player, but he's still young and still learning the offense and still learning how to play against NFL corners. And clearly this game, he showed a lot of growth. A lot of potential, um, and so I'm much more surprised with how the Vikings' offense played. That's the most surprising unit in this game. Um, having said that, the Vikings' defense played really well, actually, and they forced turnovers. They forced a couple picks by Purdy. Um, they forced a fumble from CMC. Um, so that was surprising too. I didn't think they would play. I didn't think they would that. I I didn't think they would play that good you know uh, on defense as well but i do think the offense was the story of the game um considering how kirk cousins plays in prime time um and just the overall state of where the vikings were you know yeah um i i was shocked by this game like because when when i saw the vikings i know they're at home so like and they do have a decent home field advantage especially in prime time but they're they're without Justin Jefferson. They're going against what I thought was the best defense in football at full health too. The 49ers offense did have some injuries. Debo Samuel didn't play. Trent Williams didn't play. Um, but the 49ers defense was at full strength, and they didn't like you said they did not allow a significant amount of points. But Kirk Cousins had probably one of the best games of his career in this game. Like he moved the ball up and down the field. He didn't throw a bad interception on the first drive. It was basically close to perfect outside of that. Um, no, this Fortnite. This is their second straight loss. They're five and two. Um, and we'll t- we'll actually talk not to spoil anything, but we'll talk about them here in a bit about their upcoming matchup against Cincinnati. Um, but this is I'm trying to I don't know who this is more about because the Vikings showed me a lot in this game. They're three and four now. They actually have a very favorable schedule moving forward. They are a team that could feasibly get back into like a wild card contention. I still think the 49ers are really good. I think they're just in a bit of a rough third. Every most teams have a rough patch in their season. The 49ers right now. Um, and I expect them to get out of it. Um, but they got to get healthy. They got to get Trent Williams back. They got to get Debo Samuel back. And their defense has got to, you know, 
this was their defense's first poor performance of the season. It was on the road. So I'm not going to say, like, their defense is overrated or anything. Um, so, like, so they, they, they did not have a good performance. They did not have a good showing in this one. That's for sure. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I don't I, – I don't, I'm not going to overreact and say the 49ers are no longer Super contenders. I absolutely think they are. It's just – there's just that, like, kind of a rough point in their season. Yeah, and I do think it's more about the Vikings than it is 49ers. I think I, – I, I yeah. totally agree with that now that I think about it. Yeah, it, just – you brought up the home field advantage. You brought up Kirk Cousins. You brought up just how they played in general. And I just feel like even if the 49ers were probably playing it, not their best, but, like, I feel like the Vikings were matching that. Like, they were matching the 49ers, and they were – uh, outplaying them for most of the game. I mean, they had the game in control for a lot of the game because yeah. they were at, what, 19-7? Yeah. And then, you know, the 49ers started catching up. So, I feel like – I just feel like it's more about – like, And their, their defense made some huge stops in the game. Two interceptions yeah. off of Purdy yep. on the game-winning drives. I'm, I am going to present a question about Kirk Cousins. Uh, do you guys think Kirk Cousins is the most underrated quarterback in the NFL? Because I, I think he is, in my opinion. He almost always is. Like, he's always in that, like – you know, top fifteen range that most people rank him, and I I believe he's top ten now. Um, currently, close. He's, he's, he's very close. If he's, he's probably like tenth or eleventh. Yeah. Um, but I I, th- I don't think he gets enough. Uh, I don't think he gets enough credit. I think he's. Yeah. I think consistent. He's very very consistent. Very good. Not elite, obviously, but um, he he's he's a good player, and he showed in this game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly. If I had to say, I think one of the biggest things is, you know, obviously Kirk is extremely underrated, right? Um, and he gets undervalued a lot. It's not someone that you really think about immediately when you think of, you know, the great quarterbacks in the NFL, especially over the last few years, which is how incredible the quarterback play has been. Um, I think one of the biggest reasons why we do underrate him is just because, you know, in the beginning of this season, you know, again, he wasn't putting up the numbers he is now and he has clearly consistently just gotten better year over year. And so he is that sneaky talent that, you know, again, puts up good numbers, plays well, but you just don't really think of. And I think part of that has to do with just him just taking a really long time to develop into that type of quarterback versus like, you know, again, say guys like Patrick or um, Josh Allen or Joe Burrow just immediately just lighting up the scene right out of the gate, you know? That's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. All right, so that about wraps it up for week seven. So we're going to go into our period of awards and give out our players of the week. Um, I, Asim, I'll let you go first. Who was your player of the week in week seven? That is a good one. I think, you know, ar- honestly, you can argue it was Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, and I think uniquely I'm saying this because, again, he put up nearly 400 yards against a San Francisco 49ers. Again, you mentioned it was at home. You know, totally fair point. But again, at the end of the day, this is, you know, one of the best defenses in the NFL. I mean, just looking at being able to beat them, you know, by only putting up 22 points um, and, you know, doing it in a way that was pretty, you know, pretty incredible. Again, the guy completed 35 out of 45 of his passes, two touchdowns. You mentioned the bad interception in the beginning, but, you know, throughout the rest of the game, he played extremely well. Um, you know, he's throwing to, you know, Jordan Addison. <laughs> Uh, was again rookie wide receiver and plays playing incredibly well. So I think you know you can obviously give that to or not you can honestly give that potentially to Kirk Cousins. That is a very good choice. Um, I'm at, I'll actually go last, uh, Jack. I'll let you go second. Um, so for me, my player of the week this week is going to be uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, originally, I picked Kirk, but you took him this him. So <laughs> uh, 
I, I picked Lamar. Um, uh, let's see, 21 for 27, 350 yards, 357 yards, uh, three touchdowns, no picks. Um, and he also added 36 yards on the ground. Um, so just like I said before in, in the opening headlines, uh, he just had an, an amazing performance um, and was the MVP for the Ravens and, and, then their, and their win, in my opinion, just played amazing. So uh, he also had a 95 QBR, which is pretty good. So my player of the week is a guy that uh, you may or may have heard of, kind of an under the radar player, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Heard of him? Uh, he's a <laughs> just a sneaky good player, flies under the radar. Um, yeah, just a solid 30, 32 of 42, 424 yards, four touchdowns. Did throw an interception, but it was kind of like an arm punt interception on third down. Wasn't really a bad one. 129.5 passer rating uh, against the Chargers on Sunday. Just uh, another day at the office, I guess. Um, by far his best game of the season so far. Um, but just uh, business as usual for Kansas City. Yeah, I not, feel- not not really much not really much to say. You know, this, this was the this is the first time Patrick Mahomes has been a player of the week, which kind of like shows the standard that he's set. So, congratulations, Patrick. Add add that to your uh, award award uh, career accomplishments. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, moving into our uh, week eight preview, uh, we're going to preview three games, and the first of the trio is the Jaguars uh, traveling to the Steelers. Uh, on Sunday, um, I want each of you to give your picks. You know, give a reason why, give some analysis um, for this game. Uh, Sam, I'll start off with you for this game. What do you think? This is a tough one. Um, you know, if this was on a neutral field, I'd like to say Jacksonville. Um, but you know, I really feel like that home field advantage carries a little bit of weight in this matchup, just due to how. Um, I guess in my mind, how even I perceive this game to possibly be, um, you know, both quarterbacks aren't playing horrible. I mean, Kenny Pickett, you know, obviously is not playing to the level that Trevor Lawrence is. Um, but I think I might go Pittsburgh here. Um, and, you know, maybe that's just maybe gut intuition with just, again, the home field advantage there. Um, but again, you know, Pittsburgh is not necessarily an easy place to play by any means. Um, and again, with how even, you know, this team looks, I mean, also, you know, the Jaguars have quite a decent bit of potential injuries here. I mean, I'm pretty sure Trevor Lawrence is questionable. Um, you know, we'll see if that changes later in the week. Um, but again, I'm probably going to go Pittsburgh here. You have a score? I'm going to go Pittsburgh 24, Jacksonville 20. Interesting. Interesting. Um, you brought up a good point about Trevor Lawrence, you know, out, out playing Pickett. I think that's fair. I don't think the gap is that big right now, which is surprising. Um, but this hasn't been Trevor Lawrence's best year. Maybe, maybe, maybe in terms of turning the ball, he doesn't really turn the ball over much, but I just don't know if it's been his best year overall. You know, this is his third year in the league. Um, and I think there's a lot to be desired with them still. But having said that, um, I'm going to pick the Jaguars to go into Pittsburgh and pull off the win. I feel like this is definitely a toss-up game. Um, and you brought up some good points about the home field advantage and whatnot. And Steelers' defense is getting better. Um, they had a controversial win against uh, the Rams on Sunday. And... Uh, 
their defense played pretty well in that game. But having said that, I do I do think the Jaguars are going to pull off the win and they're going to build off that win they had this past Thursday night going on the road in another tough place to play in New Orleans and beating the Saints uh, 31-24 in a thriller of a game. Um, but I'm going to take the Jaguars to win because um, I just feel like their offense is clicking right now. They're using their weapons. They got a lot of weapons. They're just throwing the ball all, all over the place with them. Um, and I feel like I feel like their defense is a little bit underrated, maybe in the league. Their rush defense is pretty good. Pass defense is so so. Um, but I feel like their defense is coming into form, and and this is not a challenging offense to face by any means. So I'm going to pick the Jaguars to win uh, twenty eight to. 20. All right. I'm going to start off with a very controversial controversial statement. I think Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback than Kenny Pickett. Uh, just, just, just to throw In that general, out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this season, Lawrence is completing 67% of his throws, yards, eight touchdowns, three picks, 92 rating. Pickett, 60%, uh, 1,200, five touchdowns, four picks, 81.3 rating. You know, so. I, I I think Jacksonville is a very, very big advantage at quarterback. Um, I have no idea how the Steelers are 4-2 because <laughs> I, I don't think they're a particularly good team, yet here they are, 4-2, second in the AFC North, and they are at home in this game. I do think Jacksonville, watching them play, they leave a little bit to be desired. Um, they Offensively, they, it doesn't feel like they have a real identity because, like, they run the ball well with Travis Etienne, but they go away from it too often. I feels like, and then their passing game is good, but I feel like it's not quite to the level you'd expect. Calvin Ridley's been quiet in recent weeks. He got to a good start this year. Uh, Christian Kirk's uh, made some plays, made a great play to win the game against the Saints last Thursday night. Um, but like when I when I say lack of like lack of identity on offense, like that game against the Saints last Thursday should have been a a blowout and the Jacksonville just let them hang around, hang around. They eventually let them tie the game and they needed like a fourth quarter comeback to win that game. So they're five and two. They're clearly the best team in their division. But I do think they, despite all this, I do think they're better than the Steelers. Um, but I just think this is going to be one of those games, one of those ugly games where fans of both teams watch and they don't feel great about either team. I, um, but I do think the Jaguars are going to win this game. I think they are, their defense is good enough to shut down Pittsburgh's, you know, shaky offense. Um, and the, the Steelers' defense is good, so I, I don't think the Jaguars are going to score the ball at will. I think it's going to be relatively low scoring. Two teams that are trying to find their way on offense, but I think Jacksonville is further along. So for that reason, give me Jaguars 20, Steelers eh, 13. Let me let me ask you guys. Let me ask you this real quick, Ben. Would you would you say your answer would stay the same if Trevor Lawrence doesn't play? I think Trevor Lawrence is going to play. Um, uh, let me look. Let me look this up real quick. I think he's going to play. Yeah, because because he, he was questionable last week. Last week, and he played that game, injured. and he ran, He looked good running around. Um, so I haven't seen. I haven't really seen any updates about him potentially not playing. But if there were if were something to come up and Lawrence did not play and they had to start CJ Beathard, yeah, I, I take the Steelers in that. But I'm going under the assumption that uh, Lawrence will be out there. Yeah, I think I'm sure. not too. That's so, fair. So we got Steelers, Jaguars, Jaguars. So we'll see if the Steelers can pull it off. Um, 
sticking that same division for our second matchup, the Browns are going to be hosting the Seahawks uh, out of the NFC uh, West um, for a, uh, a matchup on Sunday. Um, oh, and I'm going to start off with you on this one. What are your thoughts on this game? Uh, something's got to give with that Browns defense. Uh, yeah. Maybe wavering a little bit against the Colts. And they still played well. I just feel like their pass defense got a little bit exposed, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on this game? Can the Browns defense lock out the Seahawks offense? Okay. So starting off looking at over both these teams, they're both four and two. Both these teams are four and two. Um, and I'm not sure how if either one of them are any good. I think the Seahawks are good. I don't know if the Browns are good. And uh, the in terms of the Browns defense, I'm not going to overreact one game. They were like historically good through the first six games. They had a rough one against the Colts, but they still forced a bunch of turnovers. Miles Garrett, I think, is the best defensive player in the NFL. He, I'd argue, he's the second best player in the NFL, only behind Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he is just a one man wrecking crew out there. Uh, he he he's probably the biggest reason the Browns have four wins. To be honest with you, um, so the, the Seahawks offensive line, which is not good, is going to have their hands full. Geno Smith could be in a long day, in for a long day, and the game is in Cleveland, correct? Yeah. The game is in Cleveland. Um, but it's already been announced Deshaun Watson will not play. I have no idea what's going on with Deshaun Watson. He came back against the Colts, got hurt again. Uh, he threw a terrible interception, which you saw that. It was um, horrible. Uh, then he got hurt again. So they're going to be starting P.J. Walker again. Um, you know, P.J. Walker, he's just kind of a guy – He's an admirable backup, I guess. Um, but they're 2-0 and in games that he either started or played the majority of. One of those games was against the Niners. And the, the Niners are a lot better than the Seahawks. I don't. This is just a bad matchup for Seattle, I think. Um, I think the I like the Browns' defense to have a bounce-back performance. Against the Seattle offense, that look, has really kind of been up and down this year. They only scored 17 points in their win against the Cardinals at home. Um, last uh, last Sunday. So I think Geno Smith's going to – he's not going to have fun in this game. I think the Browns' pass rush is going to get to him behind that leaky Seattle offensive line. I think P.J. Walker will do just enough to win the game. The Browns will somehow move to 5-2, and two, and I still won't be sure if they're good because of their quarterback situation. But for this game, for Week 8, I'm going to say Browns – Browns 17 – Seahawks, fourteen. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I I thought for a minute there you were going to pick the Seahawks because of the quarterback situation, but yeah, uh, I I am on the same page there with you. Um, I do think that Browns defensive line and linebacking core is going to make it hell on uh, Geno Smith, and they the Seahawks kind of struggled with the uh, Cardinals last week. I mean, they did what they wanted, but they didn't put up all the points that maybe they necessarily want to against a middling defense in the Cardinals. Then that's putting it lightly. They're not great, but they're going to be facing a different challenge this week with the Browns defense. And that pass rush for sure is going to be a nightmare for Geno Smith. Um, I do think the question in this game is can PJ Walker play a little bit better and will that make a difference for this team in this game? Um, considering how rough the quarterback play has been for the Browns pretty much all season. Um, I don't think that'll matter that much, maybe, 
because of the Browns defense, maybe we'll just shut down that Seahawks offense just entirely. Um, but I do think the Seahawks will still be competitive because they're a competitive team and they don't let anyone run over them. But I think the Browns will be able to run the ball well. Um, I do think the Seahawks will be able to run the ball okay enough to stay in the game, make a few passes here and there. But having said all that, I'm going to go with the Browns 22, the Seahawks 18. All right. So, you know, the fact that Deshaun Watson is not playing, you know, plays a significant factor, I believe, in what the possible outcome would be. But I do believe since the strong suit with the Browns is that defensive line, again, obviously with Miles Garrett, um, they could still pull off something, especially with the fact, you know, again, Owen, you mentioned how the Seahawks have been kind of up and down offensively going into Cleveland. Um, and then again, playing against that defensive line, I feel like it's going to be a very difficult task. So I think if the Seahawks can keep it a low scoring, uh, or sorry, the Browns, if they can keep it a low scoring game and make this, you know, defense, the really strong suit for this one, you know, they might be able to pull out a win without Deshaun Watson. Um, and so that's the biggest question that I do have is, you know, let's just say hypothetically, Seattle does have a good day on offense. Will, will the Browns be able to keep up, you know, without their starting quarterback? I don't know. And so, you know, you're going up against, you know, a really interesting situation here, you know. And so I think I'm going to go Cleveland. I'm going to keep this a low-scoring game. I'm going to say Cleveland 17, Seattle 14. Okay. I think that was the same score as me. So, yeah, I just I just don't see a scenario where the Seahawks offense does, like, anything of note. Um, it's just they they need they have some things to figure out offensively because they've been up and down all year. They've had one great game, and that was against the Lions in week two. Um, outside of that, it's been kind of choppy for them. Sticking the same division, uh, we're going to move to our third and final matchup. Um, it's the Cincinnati Bengals traveling to San Fran to take on the 49ers, um, it, which is quietly uh, a good game. Uh, originally, on, when it came on the slate, I didn't think it was going to be, you know, one of our matchups to talk about. But the, the Bengals have been making progress lately. The 49ers, you know, took a tough loss uh, against Minnesota. So two kind of teams moving in different directions, uh, not drastically, but slightly, slightly moving the opposite way. Um Sim, I'm going to start off with you on this one. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game? Uh, give me a score prediction. Um, and maybe give me, for this game, give me an X-Factor player that will make a difference for for their, for their team to win. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, as you mentioned just a second ago, I think that, um, you know, those, both these teams are going in opposite directions slightly. Um, I think maybe the 49ers maybe slightly – um, recency bias that I might be stating that. Um, but obviously the Bengals started off rough. They looked a little bit better as the weeks have progressed. Seattle really doing the opposite. But I do think, you know, with Seattle going home, or sorry, for <laughs> San Francisco, <laughs> same West Coast stuff. With with San Francisco going home, um, I think this is going to play a significant factor. I think they're going to want to bounce back from that Minnesota loss and come out swinging. I don't know if the Bengals have played good enough or got good enough or really improved enough to step up to the levels that the 49ers are at right now and play them on their home field. I think for me, the X factor player in this situation is really going to be the performance of Joe Burrow. 
Um, and the reason why I say that is, again, even in the beginning of the season, you know, the team struggled offensively a lot more than you'd expect, you know, for example, a Joe Burrow team to play. Um, and so, again, going into San Francisco and going ahead and playing this motivated uh, 49ers team, I just don't see a scenario in which the Bengals pull this off. Um, and again, maybe it's going to be a little bit closer than I expect, uh, but I personally think that the 49ers are going to have no trouble in this one. I'm going to go ahead and say the 49ers win 30 to 17. Interesting. Um, so it was reported today that Brock Purdy is in concussion protocol. So unless like he clears that he will not be playing in this game and Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold will be getting to start uh, on on Sunday. Former third overall pick by the Jets, um, last <laughs> years the Panthers. Um, so I mean that factors a little bit, um, but I agree with you, Sim. Like the Bengals, they, they got they got what they needed, what they had to do after that disastrous one and three start. They win their next two before the bye to get in a better position. They're three and three, but when you look at those wins, they beat the Cardinals. They had a great offensive performance against the Cardinals, but you know. It's the Cardinals, and then in their last game against the Seahawks, they only scored they only scored seventeen points. Uh, and their offense did nothing in the second half. Uh, and obviously, they're going on the road, tough environment. The 49ers, you know, they're going to be them being back home is huge because these last two wins were road games. Um, Cleveland, that was a, that was a sloppy game. Minnesota is a tough place to play. So, like them being back home will be important, regardless of who the quarterback is. The Bengals are off a bye, though. Burrow, I would assume, is probably close to healthy at this point. Um, I I think the Bengals will play well off better offensively, but I'm not sure it's going to be enough. I'm not sure this is the game that they want coming out of their bye against this team. And if this game was in Cincinnati, I'd feel a little differently. Um, but the 49ers, they're just one of those teams that just – they're tough to beat in that stadium – even even if it, all Sam Darnold really has to do is just take care of the football, get the ball to their playmakers, um, and the 49ers should win this game um, and do enough against the Bengals' offense. So I'm going to say 49ers 24, Bengals 20. Okay. Um, I, did, I just now thought about that Sam Darnold situation. I saw that earlier, and I don't know if that will affect your pick, Asim, but um, for me, I think I think the Bengals are going to pull off the upset. I think there's something in my mind telling me that the 49ers are maybe sliding a little bit, and with Brock Purdy not playing, that's going to hurt them to a degree because um, Sam Darnold hasn't had any playing time this year whatsoever. So I feel like that's kind of going to be kind of a factor. Um, I feel like the Bengals' offense is coming around a little bit. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like I feel like this is the week that the Bengals pull off that upset, that notable win that they've been looking for all season to say, this is our go-to win this year. This is our signature win, and now we're working our way back into playoff contention. Um, so yeah, and my X factor will be uh, Jamar Chase. That that's going to be the X factor to me with with how the 49ers uh, secondary played against uh, the the Vikings. Um, they simply got carved up. Um, and they could not defend Jordan Addison very well. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Jamar Chase. He's going to have a good game, I feel like. I feel like there's more scenarios that he has a good game than just isn't showing up at all. Um, 
So uh, I'm going to go with the Bengals uh, to win 31 to 20. And 11 point win, which if, if that would happen, that would actually happen. I'd be, I feel like that'd be pretty surprising. That would fire off some hot takes. Cause you remember when the 49ers had that win against the Cowboys, you'd think that you'd the best team in the league could yeah. go 17 and 0, and then they lose three straight. They're five and three. And, uh, Things aren't looking so good. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be well. It'll be interesting to see the uh, the uh, reaction by the national pundits if the Bengals win this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, I mean, if, if I'm gonna be real, I think the 49ers need this win a little bit more than the Bengals do, just based off of the standards you know that we all put on them for this season. Um, however, um, I just that's a tough one. You know, again, if they if 49ers lose this one. You know, that puts them on a real downward trajectory, right? Whereas, you know, I just don't feel like it affects the Bengals as much, you know. But, again, you know, we'll see what happens. I think the quarterback situation maybe alters my score a little bit. Uh, but I just I just feel like the 49ers need this one a little bit more. And, again, their defense is really where, you know, they can really choose to win a game with. And, again, if they play well, which they have still, despite the 49ers' struggles, again, Barely any teams have put up decent numbers on them. Okay, the games are always low scoring, and I don't know. Can the Bengals win a low scoring affair like that against the 49ers? I'm not sure. That's true. If it's a low scoring game, I do feel like the 49ers have the edge. I just feel like with the performance we saw against uh, on Monday night, I feel like that the Bengals have a comparable offense to the Vikings, if not maybe a little better. Um, to this point, um, so. So yeah, that, that that was a good point you made though about about the if it's a defensive game, defensive slug, slugfest, that's going to favor the 49ers for sure. So, um, moving into our uh, final segment, uh, we're going to play a little bit of pretender and contender. Um, so we're going to talk about four teams that maybe been a little bit surprising to this point, um, and maybe a little bit fraudulent to this point. But we're gonna we're gonna let let you guys decide that. So um, I guess we'll start with each team and then go around the room and we're going to say pretender and contender. Um, So our first team is the Steelers and the Steelers have a record of four and two playing the Jaguars this week. So um, I'll start off with you pretender or contender. You know, for my pick of the actual game. Just this is for playoffs wise, not Super Bowl. I'm gonna have for, for in terms of in terms of playoff, I'm gonna have to go pretender. Okay. Uh, I'm also gonna say pretender. Like I said earlier, I I don't know. Not sure how the Steelers have managed to win four games. I don't think they're particularly good. Um, I think they're very limited offensively. So for that reason, I, I'm gonna say pretender. I'm gonna say pretender as well. Uh, maybe if they're in a weaker division, I'd have more faith in them. But I mean, they're in a tough division right now with the the Ravens and the uh, Browns, um, and who's that last team? Bengals, even the Bengals. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's I mean, maybe the toughest division. You could argue. Right. You could make yeah. a good argument they're the worst team in their division. Yeah, so. they they could be the worst team in their division. Yeah, given their it, despite their record. So, um, our next team is the Falcons, coming in with a record of four and three. Um, I'll start off with this one. Um, I would say pretender. At this point, and early in the season, we talked about them a little bit, and we were all worried about their quarterback play. And I, I feel like to this point, that hasn't changed one bit. Um, so for that reason, I'm going to go pretender. 
Uh, I'm also going to say, yeah, let me think about this. So, like, yeah, obviously Desmond Ritter's not good. Um, um, but that division is so bad. I, If they were in any other division, I'd say pretender. That division is so bad, though. <laughs> I'm going to say contender. Like, they, they could win that terrible division and make the playoffs. And now, now, if I was, if I was, I would be first in line if I was an NFC wildcard team to play the Falcons in the playoffs. Um, but just because that division just or the Bucks, to be honest, or the Bucks, yeah, one of one of those teams. Um, just because that division's so bad, I'm going to say contender, which just feels weird. But <laughs> I guess you know, contender is arguable for eventually maybe getting there, right? You know, I don't, but. Yeah, no, this is a hard one. I really don't think they can do much of, you know, more than what they've already shown us. And, you know, that's not necessarily something that's amazing. And I feel like they're just kind of like squeezing out these wins slowly but surely. Again, obviously Ritter, you know, still a young quarterback in his career and not playing to the point where they'd want him to. I would say overall, you know, pretender. Uh, just simply do that fact. Um, but again, you know, what you mentioned with the division is a very is a very valid point. And, you know, so that's why this one's a little bit closer. It's a little bit more of a tougher call. But I'm going to have to go with Pretender. Yeah, I agree. With, I, I agree with your points there. Uh, moving to a team that we've talked about quite extensively today, uh, the Cleveland Browns coming in at 4-2 and two, uh, at this point. Um, for this one, I'm going to go Contender. Uh, I feel like they're the second-best team in that division right now behind the Ravens. Um, I feel like they're going to be in, in it until the playoffs uh, come. And they're going to be like a 9-7 kind of team. Or a 9 I forget, they're 17 games now. Yeah. 10-7, uh, 9-8 and, and kind of team. Uh, that's going to be fighting to make the playoffs. But in the end, I think they're going to be contending at this point. Uh, a Sam, I'll let you go. I'll let you take this one. Okay, sweet. I'm going to go with contender for this one. Um, I think that, you know, with healthy Deshaun Watson – um, and again, Miles Garrett playing out of his mind consistently. I mean, that guy's again one of the most dominant athletes, you know, in the sport right now. And so, I, I personally think that the Browns can be potential contenders. Um, and again, I think a lot of that might depend on the health of you know their quarterback and you know entire team. Um, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go contender there. It's funny you mentioned the quarterback health. Don't you think this Deshaun Watson injury is just kind of suspicious, kind of weird? Something weird about There's it. There's weird because he, he week four. He warmed up. He wasn't feeling right. Didn't play. Fine. You know that. That's fine. I, no problem there. Then they had their bye. They had a bye week after that. So you have a full week, and they didn't play against the 49ers. Then it's like, okay, this is a little strange. And then he started against the Colts. He got hurt early in the game. He went out. He was cleared to play, and he he did not go back in the game. PJ Walker played the rest of the game, got them the win, and now it's Wednesday, and he's already been ruled out. So. I just I feel like there's something kind of strange going on there. Um, I'm going to say contender. Excuse me, excuse me. I'm going to say pretender, just because their quarterback situation is just not is just not where it needs to be. Even when Watson's been on the field, he has not been good. Like I'm not sure how much better Watson is than PJ Walker. To be honest with you, like he he's probably better, but like how much better? Um, just because of that. If they make the playoffs, I think they're they're probably like barely the seven seed. 
if that, I think that's their ceiling. I know their defense has, for the large part, been excellent this year. Really, it's been excellent all year outside of two games. Um, but I just, I just don't see it just because they're just so limited. They're just so flawed at the most important position. So for that reason, I'm going to say pretender. Moving into our fourth and final team, uh, we're going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys, who I personally had them missing the playoffs this year. Um, not feeling too confident about that at this point, especially within a mid-division uh, with the Vikings, or sorry, the Giants, the Eagles, and the uh, Bears. Commanders. Or, commanders. So uh, they're a pre- they're a, uh, they're a contender for sure. Uh, I feel like this one's pretty easy. Um just with that division that they play in. They have good good quarterback play, not great. Good quarterback play for the entirety of the season. Um, and they have top high defense. So those are the, the those are the elements that you need to be a playoff team. Good quarterback, good defense, good playmakers that they have, obviously. So they're they're a contender for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna agree. I'm gonna say contender. Um, I think they're easily a playoff team. I'd argue they're they're the third best team in the NFC behind the Eagles and the 49ers. Um, this is an easy one. I think they're definitely a contender. I'm going to go with contender as well. I mean, the only question I have is, you know, can das- Dak Prescott, you know, elevate to another level to, you know, push them through and just continue to be consistent? Um, I think that's a question that, you know, we're yet to uh, fully see. Um, and again, as the season develops, are they going to continue to be consistent? And because, you know, I never want to get your hopes up, you know, too incredibly high um, with a team and just, completely just you know i don't know just let them ride the wave like that um that's the only concern i potentially have but again everything you bring up especially with their defense i think that they are a contender looks like we all agree on that which i didn't necessarily expect but um you know everybody falls in love everyone falls in love with the cowboys at some point or the other during the season it feels like feels like you know they're america's team for sure so um, but uh, that's going to be the uh, last topic that we talk about uh, for this episode of the uh, Unlimited NFL podcast. Um, Sim, we appreciate you coming on again and uh, appreciate your time and, and stuff like that. So, uh, Owen, as, as always, appreciate you always, being being my co-host. Always a pleasure to come on and talk ball, you guys. So, <laughs> yes, sir. Appreciate you guys having me on. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Unlimited NFL podcast. We'll talk to you guys. Uh, next time.